Hello, friends. I'm glad that you found me. My name is Brandon D., or in the social media world, you know me as Mr. Gratitude. I'm so glad that you found me. I love to dive deep and talk about the things that everybody thinks about but is afraid to talk about. When it comes to life, dating, positivity, motivation, and a little bit of the free thinking mindset, you're in the right place. Go grab yourself a cold drink, grab yourself some snacks, get comfy. Here we go. Hello, friends. As promised, it is Tuesday night, and I do have a special guest with me. You know, it's been a while since I've discussed mental health on the show, and I think that there's a lot that needs to be said. There's a lot of awareness that needs to be spread, and that is why my guest tonight, we're going to dive deep into that. We're going to talk about outreach. We're going to talk about resources. We're going to talk about the lack of resources that are out there. And we're going to banter here for about 20 to 30 minutes. So you know what to do. Grab yourself a cold or a warm drink. Get cuddled up. Get comfy. Because here we go. Without further ado, I want to welcome my guest, Josh. He's got a special message, something special for a lot of folks out there. Josh, my brother from another mother, welcome to the show, my man. Man, thank you very much for having me on the show, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity to share what we got going on and to spread, hopefully spread a little bit of awareness, maybe some, uh, some new ideas that people haven't really heard about. So I, I connected with you very randomly. I had one of your, I think we actually have some mutual followers. Um, I always talk about this. I run into the most amazing people on TikTok. And I was in one of my live sessions. One of our mutual followers came into my live and said, hey, got this guy. He, he really did. Let's go over there. Let's help him. I said, Psh, don't even say another word ended my live session, went over there, shine some light and love on you. And that's how you and I connected. I love your cause. I love what you're about. I want you to really highlight how you got into this, what brought you to wanting to shine this gift and spread awareness, not only about mental health, but about the lack of support and resources in the first responder field, in the law enforcement field. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, man. Um, actually, just real quick side note. Uh, we call we we say followers a lot. However, I like to think of them more as family because yeah. these these are people that have dedicated their time to you. They're telling you when they hit that little red follow. They're telling you what you have to say and what you have to share is worth my time. Amen. And that's 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 huge. So that's just a little side note. I always say you know I know we use the term followers because it's just easier, but I I like to say they're family, they're friends. Uh, second. Yeah, you actually came in on a fundraiser that I was running uh, for the What Makes Us Fire Foundation. Uh, it's a foundation that I literally within five weeks have created, started and got the paperwork and EIN number and the nonprofit status. It's been a crazy ride. Um, but yeah, you were in uh, they, they one of our one of our friends went to your live because I always tell I always tell all the family I was like, look, the best way to help is just to invite your family and friends and have them be a part of this. You, if, you can't, if you can't give a, a monetary donation, that doesn't matter. 
spreading the word, spreading awareness, killing the stigma, showing people that it's okay to talk about mental health. It should be a, it should be a casual conversation, just like we're having now. And let's get people more aware of that. Uh, and so I think that's what they did. <laughs> they jumped over to you, saw that you were live, said, hey, jump over to his. Uh, you asked a couple of questions. I was trying to keep up with everybody's question. It was pretty busy and had my nose waxed and my leg waxed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was, it, it turned out to be really great. Another pretty large creator, uh, LJ Cream of Wheat, did a live four hour fundraiser session the night before him and Moxie. And they raised just That's under 2000. Yeah, they raised just under $2,000 for the foundation. And I was like, well, I can't let them do it by themselves. So the next night I went ahead and tried to do it as well. Between the three of us, eight hours total, we raised just over $6,000, which was amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. I cannot be thankful enough, uh, especially with something new like this. Right. Every little penny helps, especially because it's like I tell people, we got to build a strong foundation for the actual charity foundation. So, but yeah, man, you jumped in, we hopped on and I loved your name, Mr. Gratitude. I was just like, look at that, that, that guy's just happy already. <laughs> Amen, man. Amen. Yeah, no, that's gratitude brings abundance. Um, oh, you're, you're absolutely right, man. Being grateful and gracious. You, you'd be surprised the type of people that get brought into your lives when you have that kind of attitude towards life. It's, it's mind blowing. And I'm grateful for every little thing in my life. And, and, you know, people ask why, how do I stay so happy? How do I stay so positive? And it all goes back to gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Christian. Yeah. I have Jesus, but it's gratitude, man. Gratitude solves every problem. Well, I think, I think it's more, not only that, and let's be honest here, right? You're not always happy. You're not always this yeah exuberant type of guy right there's times when you might be feeling low there's might times when you might be feeling down and out and everything else but you allow yourself to be that you don't you don't tell yourself hey i'm always this happy guy why am i so sad now i should i should just ignore this sadness and go no you allow yourself to be it you allow yourself to process it right and i think that's what's the problem with people that team seem to get sad and depressed at times and it, it happened to me is when you're depressed and you're sad and you're diagnosed with this, it, it's a, it's a, excuse my language. It's a really you're crappy good. feeling. You're good. Uh, I, I forgot to ask you. I didn't know if language was good or not. You're talking. Oh, you're good, man. My, I always say my podcasts are no holds barred, brother. You're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really shitty feeling to be, to know that you've been diagnosed with depression. Right. It, the depression, the way it was explained to me and the way it really made sense is depression is being sad and upset about things that happened to you in the past. Anxiety is being worried and, not knowing about things that are in the future and the depression is what carries over we forget to leave what what that bad thing that happened that caused that sadness or being felt like you're not worthy we we forget to leave those feelings with the action right so the action something bad happened to us in the past or we we made a mistake or something and then that feeling comes over us and instead of allowing that feeling to stay with that action we carry it with us. We forget to leave it with what happened. We, we all of a sudden start feeling like, well, if I did this or this happened to me, it must mean I'm this person. It must mean I am a sad person. It must mean I am just not worthy all the time. So even when 
you see a depressed person, you might not really know it because yeah, they'll, you'll have a happy time. You'll have a good time here and there. You'll go to a party, talk with your friends and drink and hang out and be the laugh of the party. But then when you go home or you have this small little trigger, you have no idea about the curtains, man, the boom, it automatically is just a small little thing that reminded you of something that happened in the past. And yeah. oh my God, you're sad all over again. It's, it's almost like, even though you're normal, you're not really normal because everything that's good is kind of tainted, right? It's a little bit tainted with that feeling that you just can't seem to let go and just let it be with what happened. So when, when I was talking about you always being happy, it's that you found a way that when maybe you're sad, maybe you're upset, whatever, you found a way to allow yourself to process it, give it a little bit of time, but then you don't carry it with you. Totally. You're allowed to leave it with what happened totally and then you're not searching for happiness all the way up you're, you're not going from total sadness to i gotta get happy again i gotta get happy again well you gotta be careful with that because you, yes you don't want to be sad all the time but if you're happy all the time if you found somebody that is literally happy all the time their brain chemistry is not right nope. <laughs> their brain chemistry is not right there's something wrong and if something bad happens to somebody that's happy all, all the time, it tend, they tend to take it as like it being really bad, right? It's this huge thing. Well, I'm always happy. How could this happen to me? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the definition of bipolar disorder. It's having the real highs and the real lows. Yeah. I think what, what, we, what we need to be striving to do and what we should be striving to do, especially people that uh, are battling with depression and PTSD, anxiety, is we need to strive for that calm that that middle ground that it's okay to just be okay and actually be okay like if right. somebody asks you how you doing you say i'm okay not that are you sure you're okay but like no no i'm okay i'm okay i'm, I'm not happy i'm not sad but i'm, I'm good i'm like right. i'm just i'm good level when you when you're able to find that place in life where you're just allowing life to be life let the lows be the lows, come back to level, let the highs be the highs, write it as long as you can, but come back down to level, realize that you have to be able to just be okay. And it's okay to be like that. You don't have to be happy or sad all the time. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, one thing I, being a life consultant, being a relationship coach, one thing I always focus and tell people is your stress response system. The problem with most of the world today is they don't know how to exercise their stress response system. You get one of two things. You either get the victim in life, which in my camp, we don't play victims. Okay. It's okay to not be okay. Like you just said, but it's what's just not there? okay to stay there. Yes. Amen. It's like, I always tell my clients, say hi, say hi to the emotion. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. You need to acknowledge it, say hi to it, build up your stress response, find out where it came from, find out why you're feeling that way, and then work through it. Don't stay there. Like you said, it's, it's a problem. It's a huge problem. Um, it needs to be discussed more, you know? Absolutely. It needs to be discussed more. And I, I'm glad that you're using the right language on working through it. A lot of the times we hear people say, oh, I just need to get over it. Or you have somebody else tell you, hey, yeah, man, just get over it. Well, getting over it's just hopping the wall. The wall's still there. Yep. It, it, it's just a matter of time before you have to go back to it. And then there's that wall again. Yeah, you got to bust through it. You got to work through it. You got to process it. Allow yourself to really, really understand why you're feeling that way. And then process, why is it making you feel that way? Can Is there anything I can do 
in my way of thinking to not make it feel that way. And if it does make me feel that way every time, okay, allow it to make me feel that way. But once it's done, let it be done. Let it just, let it be done. It's done. You know, it, it's not, it's not following you. It's not, it's literally not a splinter in your ass that you can't pull out. It, it's, it's, it poked you and that's it. You're good. Let it, let it hurt for a little bit. Cause it's going to hurt and it's okay, but don't, don't stay with the hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Br- think, brushing, brushing under is super detrimental. Exactly. It's very detrimental. And, and that's one of the biggest issues with mental health um, disorders, especially depression and PTSD is that uh, with men, I'm sure, you know, the, the numbers with men oh. and with women and civil service, especially in the civil service, you know, you have the stigma of if it's bothering you, you better keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like we don't want to talk about it, but I, you hit on a, a very good point. And the reason why I like to use vocabulary is I really, really, truly think that we just need to change our language when we talk about mental health issues. If we can just change the language, uh, stop using always, stop using need. No blankets. Stop, yeah, don't don't use need. Don't use that word need. Oof, that word. There's only there's only a few things you actually need in this life. That's food, water, air, and shelter. Amen. And and everything else is how you really really want to look at it and how you're going to process it and how are you going to allow it to affect you. On your ideas of stress, I learned something that actually really caught my attention. And you said activate your stress receptor, right? Like how, how much, obviously there's levels of stress and we know that through science, there's levels of stress, but the levels of stress only dictate how much of that certain chemical gets released in the brain, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So if it's a low level of stress, that chemical comes out. If it's a high level of stress, a lot of that chemical comes, comes out, right? But when people do that, don't understand that they like to contrast and compare their stress to others. You can't do that. No. We can both go through the same experience, right? Look at it differently. And look at it completely. You can be not as stressed and I'll be like, how are you not so stressed out about this? Yeah. You know? And the reason being is it's just our brain chemistry. You can break it down to a biological level. Here's something else. Your brain does not know the difference between circumstance. It only knows that it's a stress. True. So somebody, God forbid, somebody that's been raped or somebody that's been shot at the on a biological level, the brain doesn't know the difference between the two. It's just going to still expel that same chemical that was released when that stress happens. Yeah. Trauma is trauma. Trauma is trauma. There is no level on that trauma. You cannot put it. And people don't realize the brain is actually blind. Like people don't realize that, that the brain is blind. It just, it goes back to laws of attraction. You know, what you think about becomes reality, which is so true. The brain doesn't recognize can or can't. The brain recognizes how you verbalize it. So you're, you're, you're on a hundred percent the right path about, we need to change that verbiage. Absolutely. And part of the reason why I'm doing what makes us fire is the, the foundation is because there's this huge stigma, especially, obviously the stigma goes for the general population. We don't talk about sadness. We don't talk about depression. It's just taboo. If you bring it up to your friends or family, they will, they're careful about talking to you about certain things. They don't want to, they don't want to trigger you or, 
are uh, oh they said that they were suicidal once so we better not we better not put them in any stressful situation because then who knows might happen it's like no 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 we need to kill that they're letting you know because they're telling you hey there's something going on I want you to know there's something going on right it doesn't mean I can't function it just means there's something going on I I'm, I'm working through it even if you're th that's that's actually a good thing for everybody involved. For the person themselves and for the people that's surrounding them, because now it allows the people surrounding them be like, okay, hey, this is it's not the situation, it's what they're dealing with. It's not me, it's something that they're trying to deal with. And then it be the understanding is a little bit more acceptable. Right. Uh, you don't get you don't get looked at as this outsider. And go ahead. Uh, I was just touching on that about progression and and some of the verbiage is when when somebody is expressing to you that feeling it's not even about that they want an answer from you they just want to be heard you know mm -hmm. if you give somebody five minutes to just say whatever's on their mind and their heart people would be shocked at how therapeutic that that actually is one of those issues is is that when people hear a problem what's our what's our what's our human reaction to when we hear a problem shut it down we, we either want to shut it down and or we want to fix it, right? Yep. So hearing somebody else's problem, hearing somebody else's issue, we automatically go, well, I understand. Have you tried doing this? Or what about this? Or can't you look at it this way? Right. No, it's like, well, that's not what they're looking for. That's that. Look, we understand you're trying to help, but that's not that's not what you want to do in those situations. In those situations, you want to just listen. Just listen. Hey, I hear you. I hear you are feeling this way about this situation. Do you want to hear my ask? Do you want to hear my opinion on what might help? Do you want to hear my opinion on this? Ask them. Yeah. Sometimes they'll be like, no, I just wanted to talk. Sometimes we'll be like, yeah, please. What did you do? But don't assume that because they're telling you that there's something going on with them, that they want you to fix it. Right. I think that's a big thing is that a lot of people, they'll hear that, especially from friends or family. We want, we don't want to see them hurt. We don't want to see them struggling we don't want to see them in pain so we want to try fixing it and so when they start talking we, we cut them off sometimes oh well why are you thinking that way with you have all these other things that are going good well that's not the problem great they have all those other things going good but that's not the issue that's not what's causing the issue they're trying to tell you what's causing the issue and you're bringing up other stuff that has nothing to do with what they're feeling right now one just because yeah just because i have a million dollars in the bank doesn't mean i'm not sad about something else right right you know like well, and I'm sad. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's hard to it's hard to explain to people that allowing the issue to be the issue and just leaving it at that issue on both ends. That's for everybody. The right. person with the issue and the people hearing about it, just allow it to be what it is. Don't try to don't try to downplay it. Don't try to fix it. Some unless they're asking you, just just listen. Just listen. Well, in, in most of those cases, too, it's really an educational process. A lot of people don't know how to separate and they don't know the difference between sympathy and empathy. And in typical situations like that, empathy is a key thing. As long as you're empathetic, you're really going to help out that individual. Yeah, well, exactly. Empathy is being the number one thing. And for somebody that doesn't know, sympathy is feeling bad for. Empathy is is allowing yourself to almost feel what they are feeling 100%. being on the same being on the same level sympathy is like oh i feel bad for you let me help you empathy is like you know what i know how that feels so just go ahead let it out yeah and just and allowing yourself to almost go to that level with them for a little bit not feeling it but just understanding it 
without understanding it. It's hard to explain. Obviously, you're not going to understand it. You're not them. You're not, you don't have their feelings. You have, might have a similar situation. It might have made you feel similarly, but those emotions could be stronger on that person or weaker. You don't know. So yes, absolutely. Empathy, empathy, empathy should be the one, not sympathy. Yeah, it, it, there's definitely- Maybe a little both, maybe a little both. No. A huge separation. Mm-hmm. So the next thing I wanted to get into with you is really you know, your background. So what is it that you do? Um, I know you're a first responder, kind of touch base a little bit on that and what, you know, what made you want to spread this awareness? Is there a certain event that happened to you? Was there multiple events? Like what brought you to the point that you're at right now? Um, okay, well, this is- a little bit of a deep story. It's a long story, but I'll try to I'll try to condense it as Bring much it. as I can. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I am a firefighter, EMT in Southeast Texas, um, the Houston area. Unfortunately, I can't tell you exactly where I work. I've uh, been doing that since 2006, uh, and through my career, obviously, I've seen a lot of pretty crazy things. Um, I like to explain it as I'm just a normal person doing an abnormal job, yeah. right? I'm a normal person doing an abnormal job. The job does not make me any more spectacular or more than or heroic in any way sense of form. We appreciate that sentiment, but it's almost like a, a sentiment that if we don't live up to, we get we get judged even harsher, right? Yeah. It's like, look, we're, we're human beings. We, we make mistakes. We feel bad. We see things. Another way I like to explain it is that, you know, uh, in the general population, a normal person maybe might go two or three real traumas in their in their life. I mean, like real traumas. They might be a part of that in their lifetime. A first responder, a uh, civil servant in general, military or first responder, they they might be exposed to those traumas. You know, I know first responders ten times a day. It might might it might not be their trauma, but they're a part of that tr- story. They are now tied to that trauma story the images from that trauma are now etched in their brain and they carry that with them all the time, all the time. And when we don't know how to talk about it or there's a stigma about talking about it, it, we do like we said you shouldn't do. We just sweep it under the rug, right? Um, And that's that's what I did for a very, very long time. Um, but before that, I had a childhood trauma that caused some PTSD that I, at, I knew it was, but I wasn't diagnosed with until recently. Um, when I was about six or seven years old, I was walking home from school and I was abducted and molested by a male and a female. And then I was tossed to the side of the road. Um, I can only talk about it like this now because it took me a lot of therapy and I take depression medication, anxiety medication, ADHD medication, because who doesn't like to hyper-focus on all the the sad shit in their lives? (laughs) I can't even imagine, man. Yeah. um, I was lucky enough that I knew where they kind of dropped me. Um, I remember that I was, I, I shut down. It was almost like an out-of-body experience type thing. Like I, my, my brain shut down. Um, and because they weren't getting any type of reaction from me, they weren't getting me fighting back. They weren't getting me screaming. They weren't getting me crying. They weren't getting, I was literally just a shell. Um, and because of that, you know, they're laughing. They're trying to poke and prod. They're trying to get me to say something. They start getting pissed off and they shove me out of the car, uh, throw my backpack at me and I walk home. During that time, my parents were going through a divorce. And so I just never said anything. Double whammy. 
Yeah, I, I never said anything. Uh, I didn't say anything until I was 18 years old is when I first um, actually told people what happened. So the only people that knew what happened were me and those two individuals until I was 18. Um, at that point in time, I started, you know, going to counseling and therapy a little bit and trying to work through that. It didn't really do anything for me. Um, but that process and that depression, that PTSD definitely um, shaped how I lived my life. Uh, I had to have any girlfriend that I can get, like any girlfriend that I can get. Um, it made me extremely homophobic. And when I say extremely homophobic, if you know how be, you know, when you're growing up, people be like, man, that's gay. Stop being gay. Uh, even though they're just joking around and it was just a saying, um, I, I, I got in, I got in fist fights. Right. I got in, I got in fist fights. Um, if somebody uh, was gay, was gay and they were around me, I was afraid. I was scared. And my defense went up and my defense was an offense. So I would start berating them and talking about it for no reason other than because of what happened to me, not because of who they are, not because they could have been a genuine, really good person, but it didn't matter in my head. It was, that's a threat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it took a lot of time for me to realize what I was doing with that. Uh, you know, fast forward a few years, I finally get into the fire service and I start seeing a lot of the kind of shit that happened to me. I went on a few calls and had to help out some kids and help out some wives and, you know, guys that were uh, raped in prison or guys that were mugged and molested. And it, it definitely triggered me a few times. Uh, so going through my life, I, I always self-sabotaged my relationships because I always, always, always was afraid that I was just going to be discarded. It was your defense. Yeah, it was my defense. I was always I was always afraid I was going to be discarded. So I always had to have a backup, always had to have a backup. So um, I cheated on girlfriends a lot. I cheated on uh, I always had to have some type of emotional connection with somebody else. It didn't matter. One was never enough because I had to make sure that I could not be discarded. Right. Right. And. Which, by the way, I'm not going to throw you off your story, but I want to say that what you're telling me right now is actually very common when that kind of trauma is experienced. Um, anytime I hear a you know sexual or physical trauma that has happened, you're not telling me anything new. So you're you're definitely going hand in hand with things that I've experienced, things that I've uh, uh, heard when I've consulted. Um, so I'm putting that out there, which, as you already know, you're not alone, my brother. You're, you're, you're oh, not alone. And and that's the thing. That's the thing that happens, though, when those type of experiences happen to us, we, we feel like we're the only ones that's ever happened to. Right. Um, in, a, in a sense, yes, it did just happen to you, but also there are other people out there that are looking for answers, looking for similarities. Right. We we always talk about talking to somebody, talking to your friends, somebody that you have in common, somebody that kind of gets you. Uh so going to and seeking out other people that have found a way to cope and talk about that kind of stuff, I highly recommend because they've been through a similar experience. They might not have had the same experience or experienced the same stress that you did, stress levels like we talked about earlier. However, because they can kind of understand it almost makes it easier to share the story because there's no judgment. 100%. At all. But, uh, but fast forward. I'm living my life this way, you know, and 
going through uh, being a firefighter and seeing the stuff I'm seeing every day, dead kids, uh, burnt bodies, you know, uh, families screaming and yelling, uh, families being upset because even though you did everything you could, they felt like it wasn't enough. Uh, and just all these, all these emotional stresses, right? Like it was funny. I saw a, a video where they said, uh, first responders are selective sociopaths because we can turn on and off our empathy. <laughs> you know, it's like, we can turn our empathy on and off. And it is a little bit true, but once the call hits, it almost becomes a job and we got to take away that human aspect of it. Because if we were constantly empathetic, we wouldn't be able to do our job. We'd be so emotionally distraught with what we're seeing and what's going on. We we wouldn't be able to actually do the job we're supposed to do and got called there to do. So we almost have to turn off the empathy and just we see it's a patient, not a person. It's a job. And then once it's all said and done, they're in the ambulance, and they're at the hospital, then we can de-stress and or just let it be what it was. And then all right, what's for dinner? You know, it, it's, it just depends. Right. Uh, November of 2019, I had an, an uh, me and my wife had a, a fight. And from that fight, I started realizing that there was just something not right. Uh, something not right with me. Um, I, I was constantly upsetting people. I was constantly upset with myself. And, you know, I was just, there's just something not right with me. Um, so I started looking for help and um, there was, I'm, like I said before, I'm a firefighter and the International Association of Firefighters, the IAFF, is the national union for uh, the fire service, for career firefighters. And they developed the Center of Excellence and it's in partnership with another company where they built this facility specifically for first responders and mental health treatment. And this goes with all mental health treatment, uh, addiction, depression, anxiety, uh, bipolar disorder, everything that you go there and they help you uh, develop your plans, therapy, everything. And I was really, I was thinking to myself, man, this is something that I can really use. As a first responder, it's hard to find a therapist where they will sit and listen to you and kind of understand. I have made therapists cry because of the stories that I've told and it's hard for them to hear. And I get it. The, the kind of stuff that they listen to and hear is going to be a little bit different than the first responder and what he hears and how they uh, process those things. And I was really looking forward to going. And then I found out the cost. Um, and I ended up having to make the decision because of finances not to go. I couldn't go. I couldn't afford it. I, I couldn't afford to miss work. I couldn't afford the actual treatment. I just couldn't go. So I, I go out with the rest, you know, I, I go on with the rest of my life, you know? Um, but throughout that year, I just progressively getting worse, progressively getting worse, getting worse. I'm having more fights with my wife. I'm having more arguments with my, my coworkers. I'm just, I'm starting to become more of a shell. I'm getting pissed off at the smallest things. And it came to a head on September 20th of 2020. It was a Sunday. Um, I, uh, my depression almost won the battle that day. Uh, it started off innocent enough. Me and my wife were talking and I just couldn't get over a certain issue. And for whatever reason, 
that was what it was that just sparked my depression into hyperdrive. And I put a rifle to my head in front of her. Yeah. Yeah, And, and it all started with me just first, it started with me just not wanting to be there, just wanting to disappear. And then it turned into that. And just, I was tired of being a burden. I was tired of, you know, the common, the common things you hear, you're tired of being a burden to the people you love. You're tired of being, the one causing all the fights you're tired of being the one that just doesn't understand anybody else and you're just tired of just you're you're just tired right and that's when i really realized okay something's wrong something's really wrong because as it was happening i can hear myself saying i I can hear my inside my head going what the fuck are you doing what are you doing this is stupid what are you doing but my actions weren't they weren't showing that you know, my actions were playing out my emotion and not my actual thinking. Well, so you're still here, man. Thank you. I appreciate So am I. Um, during that process, I actually started the podcast on August 3rd called What Makes Us Fire podcast. And the whole idea was just to share stories from civil service members to kill that whole hero idea. Right. That because we're a hero, we have to, we're not human, that we have to, we cannot fail, we cannot mess up, we have, you know, and, and the idea was just to show that we're human beings, and to share our stories, and to share who we are, as people, and that we're just normal people that decide to make that sacrifice, that's all, that's all we are, and, and so I had this experience, I start my therapy, and my therapist said, you know, it's good that you're actually talking about it. The more you share it, the easier it is to talk. Like the more you say it out loud, the easier it is to talk about it, everything else. And I was like, well, what do you think about me sharing it on social media? And I got that idea because watching TikTok and Instagram and all this other stuff, there's a lot of people that are sharing their battles, sharing their struggles. And it helped. Some of these creators helped me by sharing their story. And she said, yeah, actually, that's not a bad idea. So I, I, that's what I started to do. I started to share um, my process. And it blew up. The idea blew up. And Great idea. Doing, yeah. So doing the research um, as I was going through treatment, I did a lot of research about what was going on in my head and trying to understand it more on a logical level. Because I, for me, and the way it worked for me is if I could understand it more on a scientific logical level, it made me feel like, okay, well then there's hope, right? right? If I can, if, if I can change it, there's hope. So I learned about neuroplasticity. I learned about how it's uh, real. Yeah, it's real. And it, it, it's always been real, but apparently it's actually become like a, like an actual thing where the scientists are like, holy, yeah, this, it really, really is like, it's always been real, but it really, really is real that the research finally backed it up just a couple of years ago. Yeah, because just people thought your brain was as is. No, you can rewire your brain literally within short, short periods of time. Exactly. And we it, it was never really understood that that can happen. And it wasn't until just last three, four years ago where, uh, God, I forget where the Institute came out of. They do a lot of mental health research. It's yeah, a I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a university. They're the ones that came out with the study that said, yeah, actually, no, you can't. And it was just three or four years ago through the research. And everything. Yeah. People are actually changing how their brain is firing. You can yeah. actually, it, your 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 neurons are plastic. You can move them. They're bended. They're molding. You can actually, if you do the work, you can change it. And uh, that's what that is. Another thing that gave me a lot of hope too is it's like 
awesome. I do not have to feel this way forever. There is a way for me to fix this. And then I started diving in a little bit into the first responder realm, right? Um, because I am a first responder. So I started looking up some of those numbers and those numbers, those numbers hit hard. Yeah. Whoa. <clears throat> those numbers hit hard. Um, just being in the civil service field, I found out that just being in the civil service, be it military first responder, we're 10 times more likely to develop a mental health issue, uh, be it depression, PTSD, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia. These are brain issues that get developed just because we're in the job we're in. And then the one that really hit home was for every one suicide from the general public, there's four of us that commit suicide. There is a four to one ratio. There's a four to one ratio of suicide. In 2019 alone, firefighters died by their own hands more than there were line of duty deaths. That means more firefighter died by self-infliction than being trapped in a fire, than, being, than having a heart attack on the fire ground. More firefighters died by self-infliction than an outside source. And I wasn't okay with that because I was almost one of those firefighters. Yeah. And so about five weeks ago, I came up with the idea that, and it was through my own experience, I wanted to create a foundation where we can grant grants or financial assistance to civil service members to get inpatient mental health treatment. Therapy is great. EAPs are awesome. They're a good source. But there's something to be said about going to a facility and that is the only thing you are focusing on. You have no, you don't have to worry about your bills. You don't have to worry about going to work. You don't have to worry about um, stresses at home. You're literally there to fix the issue at hand. But it's expensive. Very. And even if your insurance does cover it, most insurances look at that kind of treatment as an elective type treatment. In that, the way I think it, apparently insurance companies think having a mental health issue is chosen. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. Um, so they, they cover very little, if at all, any. And then if you're lucky enough and you can convince your job or workplace to put you in on workman's comp while you're getting that treatment, workman's comp only pays 75 to 80% of your normal paycheck. Right. I don't know how many first responders you know, but all the ones I know have two jobs, have three jobs, work all the overtime they can just to support their household. Yeah. yeah. There's no way in hell anybody would be able to go for two to two months to get this treatment and be able to afford their bills, their mortgage. Mm -mm. So I wanted to make sure that all finances associated with going to get inpatient mental health treatment for my civil service brothers and sisters was taken care of. That was the idea. It's amazing. Five weeks later, here we are. Amen. We had to set up an entity. We had to set up a DBA under that entity. We had to get the 
nonprofit status. I thought a nonprofit was like its actual business. No, 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 no. It's just a tax status. You have yeah, a business. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you have a business that applies for the tax status. And I'm like, oh my God, I tell you what, I should have taken a business class because I am learning business 101 OJT on the job training. Like that is how I'm learning this. Like it is bad, but it was so awesome because things were just falling in place. As I was doing the research for doing the nonprofit funding, I asked, I asked about six or seven people that are really close to me. I said, Hey, I want to do this. And I want you guys to be involved. Um, I've been looking up, you know, how we can fund this. There's apparently you can file for grants. And then one of my, one of the people they're on zoom, I see their, her hand go up and Christina, I love you. She puts her hand up and I'm like, you know somebody and she goes i am somebody oh nice she's like she's like that's what i do for a living she writes and applies for grants for the work she's at now i was just like what she goes yeah i was like i was like would you would you and she goes yeah absolutely i was like awesome sweet i could stop looking that up cool and i'm like okay so now next i need to look for a lawyer my vp she raises her hand she goes my lawyer owes me a, a favor uh, I was like, okay, yeah. Do you think he'd talk to us and stuff? Sure. Five minutes into the conversation with her lawyer in that meeting, five minutes in, he stopped me. He said, we're going to file everything for you pro bono. You don't have to worry about any of the costs, not to mention what makes us fire foundation. will have uh, legal counsel until you guys get uh, so big that we're going to have to kind of get a retainer. They become so busy that we're going to have to retain it from I was just like, wait, what? She goes, yeah. So, so think about it as legal service for a year for free. Boom. Legal representation. So I was like, oh my God, like how, how? And so, yeah. So what you came in to full circle, what you came into is the first fundraising event I had on a live to start. Now that we have our tax ID number and everything, we are literally, it's all about fundraising. We're trying to build four months of capital before we start giving out grants because like I said before, we want to make sure the foundation's strong because God forbid funding were to slow down and or stop, we would still have three to four months to figure out that funding. Right, right. So we need to build up the capital and the overhead before we actually start giving out the grants. I did a lot of research on nonprofits. A lot of nonprofits fail. If they, if they operate at 20%, or low or below of their of their income they're failing yeah. they 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 put so much towards the mission they forget that to have the mission succeed you have to have a strong foundation you have to have a strong base and continuous and, streams and yes exactly and if you don't have that strong base what a lot of nonprofits tend to do is they'll pull from the base the funding for the base to give to the mission can't do but, it but then the mission can't stand anymore because the base is gone. Yeah. So yeah. I did a lot of research. I did a lot of, of planning and for our, our first year, and I'm going to be uh, completely honest, our first year uh, for every dollar donated, 50% is going to go towards operating costs and building that foundation and 50% is going to the actual mission. Our goal within the three to five years is get down to a 35, 65 uh, running nonprofit, 35% operating, 65% mission. And my goal is to be a million dollar nonprofit by the end of this year. That means that $650,000 would be going towards the mission and $350,000 would go towards operating costs. Well, I mean, I'm in your corner, brother. 
I'm in your corner. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I know it's a lot of business talk, but I, I mean, let me rephrase that. The first year would be 500,000 and 500,000, but the following years, if we stay at a 1 million profit, hopefully we skyrocket and we become like United Way or, you know, something similar, uh, American Heart Association, some, maybe we become something like that. And we're just like this $50 million company, who knows? Uh, the sky's the limit, but our goal in three to five years is to be a three to 5 million. Our goal for the end of this year is to be a 1 million. Yeah, no, it's huge. And everything that you're standing for, the awareness you're spreading is just so huge. And it's such a phenomenal concept and idea. And you're right. You know, the, the, the cost of mental health is astronomical. And that is the reason why the United States, especially not only in your field, not only in first, you know, first responders, civil service, anything of that, uh, that nature, the cost is just so through the roof. How do you ever expect anybody to work through what they're going through when you stop them in their tracks? It's, it's awful. Well, the, and, and even, even without just the cost, because I'm talking to people from all over the world, the goal is to make what makes us fire foundation, a worldwide charity foundation. We have to start nationally because it's just easier that way. Um, but the goal is to become a worldwide charity foundation to help all first responders around the world. They're global, you know, Yeah, exactly. They're, these are people that are dedicating their lives to helping other people. Let's yeah. help them out. Yeah. How, um, the thing is, is even when I'm talking to other countries, people from other countries about this issue and they have, you know, socialized medicine, whatever, or they have socialized mental health medicine. The issue with that part is that the timing, the timing is like, yeah, you can do this and it'll be free of charge, but you got to wait two or three months before there's an opening. Yeah. There's no, there's no other way to do it because it's all. Well, it can happen run. in two to three months, man. Eggs. Well, I tell you what, had I not had that help or had I not had the wherewithal, two to three months would have been way too long. Yeah. Yeah. An hour is way too long. Like Exactly. You know, exactly. That, and that's the issue. We need to find a good equal medium. Yeah. We need to find a good balance between cost and timing and availability. Yeah. I'm trying to, I am trying to negate the cost for civil service employees and personnel. The goal at least for nationally, the goal is to be a grant funding foundation for any and everybody. That they can just turn to. For any and everybody, not just civil service personnel, yeah. not just first responders and military. The goal is to become so big and have so much in our grant account that it's like, you know what? Let's help, let's help anybody. Let's help anybody. Anybody that wants to apply for this grant because they want to go better themselves, let's do it. That's the goal. Yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah, the, the, again, man, I, I'm lit up with you about the, the concept and the idea and whatever I can do to, you know, jump in your lives. That's why, you know, having you on here to spread that message and spread awareness, I think is just absolutely fantastic. You know, my story, uh, getting to be where I'm at being a life coach and, and life consultant, you know, um, went through, I got married super young, um, you know, got, got divorced super young, got into coaching and consulting shortly after that. And what kind of sets me apart from a quote unquote therapist, which by the way, I've had a lot of therapists and, you know, psychiatrists on my show. So no offense to my friends that are listening, but the difference between somebody like you and I that has actually been in the trenches compared to somebody that's been in a classroom, there's no comparison. 
because people want to know that you went through what they went through. I mean, I witnessed somebody murdered in front of me at 18 years old. The guy was going to shoot me too, but he ran out of ammo. His mag was empty. I witnessed my first murder at 18. I went through a not so good marriage. I had four kids by the time I was 23. I was in gambling addiction for 20 years. So my stress response, I've worked through everything and worked on slaying those demons to get me to the point that I'm at. So I, I, I'm with you, brother. We've been in the trenches and I love doing what I do. And it's been an absolute pleasure sitting here with you. I appreciate the banter, the conversation. I'm going to allow you a couple minutes here. I want you to plug yourself. I know everybody laughs when I say that, but I want you to let, <laughs> I want you to let. Oh, if LJ cream a week could have heard you say that. Right oh now. man. I want you to let everybody know um, how they can connect with you, how they can find you and also how they can donate to your cause. The floor is yours, my brother. Awesome. Thank you. Um, again, my name is Josh. I am the, host of the What Makes Us Fire podcast and founder of the What Makes Us Fire Foundation. You can follow us at whatmakesusfire.com. It is our website. You will be able to find there all, everything you need to know about who we are, what we're about. Uh, there's a donate button there where you can either do a one-time donation, you can do a reoccurring donation. Anything helps. Every little bit helps. The podcast is, again, about sharing stories from civil service members we are also on that website. We are also going to be providing a peer support network. And that peer support network is going to be broken up into different sections. If it's a first responder that wants to talk to another first responder, there's going to be a tab for them to call, a number for them to call. If it's a military veteran, there's going to be a veteran's line to call. If it's an active military, there's going to be an active military line to call. If it's just the general public and just wanting to talk to somebody that's going through stress, there's going to be some, there's going to be a number for you to call. It is a peer support network. You will be talking to people that are not mental health experts by any stretch of the imagination, but they are experts at sharing their stories and they are experts at listening. I always say that whenever I start spewing out uh, numbers about mental health and everything else, I always like to, and I always reiterate, I am not a mental health expert, but I am an expert at sharing my story and sharing with you what worked for me and hopes that that will spark the thing inside you to start getting that help that you need and you want. Really, it's not even need. It's the help that you want because it is a choice. You have to make the choice that you want to get better, that you are tired of feeling this way and you are tired of allowing this feeling to be in control. On top of that, we are also creating a um, motivational speaking events where you will be able to go to these events and talk to some very, very big names in the first responder world. If you know who Jason Patton is, Jason Patton is the bald guy. He makes all the funny videos on Fire Department Chronicles. Recently on, on Live Rescue, he was on the podcast. He's episode four. If you want to go check it out, he wants to be involved with this. Officer Kingry, if anybody knows who Officer Kingry Good is news. on TikTok, he is planning to come on the podcast as well. I have Pops951, who is an active military member. His episode actually drops tomorrow. He's gonna, he has agreed to be a motivational speaker, sharing his story one-on-one, -on -one, live Q&As. All proceeds for those events will be going to the What Makes Us Fire Foundation and helping the civil servant get that inpatient mental health treatment that they need. We are also having an events page any type of event that you see that we post means that either I or somebody from the What Makes Us Fire Foundation will be in attendance at. 
that we are going to have banquets, we are going to have fundraisers, we are going to have, uh, just a heads up, Vegas Invasion. I don't know if you've heard about it, but apparently it's a thing. The TikTok Vegas Invasion happening on... I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, Vegas Invasion, TikTok hate Vegas Invasion. I will be there along with my vice president, my co-founder and CFO. And we will be there to talk to other creators to try to get the word out about the What Makes Us Fire Foundation, making videos, having a good time. And if you find us there, find me, say hi, let's hook up, let's hang out if you want to know more. All the contact information you need to know is also on the website as well. It is a website that is in progress. So if you click on a tab and it takes you to uh, the site is not available, it's because we're working on it. So the peer support network we're working on, uh, the, that's where you're going to also go to apply for grants. Uh, that's where you're going to go to sign up to be a volunteer. Uh, we need volunteers like crazy. We are going to need volunteers worldwide and nationwide. So if you want to volunteer, if you cannot make a monetary donation, but you see that you might be able to be a volunteer in some way, somehow, whether it be a social media advertising volunteer or whatever, there's going to be a spot for you to do that as well. So I, I, I'm done with the shameless plugging. Uh, check out What Makes Us Fire podcast on all your social media broadcast hosting sites. Uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, YouTube, all those fun stuff. Check us out and learn more. Reach out to me. Right on, right on. I appreciate you, my brother. I got to do uh, similar here. So now to some matters of business. So if you love me, if you love this podcast, you know I don't ask for anything, if little at all. Please make sure you are leaving five-star reviews in your iTunes, on Spotify, all over the place. Spread this with your friends, your family, everybody you know. And listener support. I do have links on the podcast for listener support. Even if it is $1, you are helping to make this podcast greater and greater. Now, I do have a special shout out session. For most of you that have been in my live sessions, you know that my top gifters, those gifters that do a disco ball or a candle in the live session, I give them a special shout out right here on the podcast. And today I need to shout out let me pull this up here. I have Becca May 84813. Thank you so much, Becca, for the love and support. You are greatly appreciated. Let me go back to my list here. I have username Brittany underscore Nicole. Thank you so much for the love and support. You are greatly appreciated. And for my dear friend Val, username uh, me and Onyx and Val, please don't get mad at me if I mess that up. But you know, I love you. I appreciate each and every one of you because without you, this podcast would not be possible. Again, thank you to my special guest, Josh. Thank you so much for being here, brother. Friends, I appreciate it. Thank you. you, you I appreciate you. My friends, until the next time, you stay blessed. <laughs>